0: is a way to not only serve the underserved populations, but sometimes I think even provide better access to care because we're able to keep people at home and we can get their needs met without having them to go into the healthcare institution. And so I'm excited to get to talk to you because I feel like there's a lot that veterans need to know about what their options are uh, of how to get care and how to get taken care of. And the fact that they can get their medical needs met without just being told they have to wait six months for an appointment or all all of the things that involve veteran care. There are other options and it, and it can be better than that.
1: So now what was your your service like? Um, and because I, I've noticed that a lot of veterans, when they get out, they struggle, you know, they struggle with like I know I did 23 years. I planned to do 30, but I got hurt. Um, but I struggled when I got medically discharged because you know now not only do I not have a career uh, I didn't have my vision because I lost my vision and you know now I don't have a mission anymore either. So what was your transitioning story out like what was it how how was your transitioning?
0: yeah that's a phenomenal question and i want to take I want to tell you I-, I hear you with that I mean working with, folks that are transitioning that were transitioning out i think i probably had a hand in helping transition we did about 250 folks a year so it's probably somewhere around six seven hundred um guys and gals that were transitioning out and that notion of what's my mission what do i do now how do i contribute where is my is my place that is so incredibly common and i'm glad you've been able to, to to work that out for yourself, it looks like. But for me, so we were a dual military family. And so I uh, still are. My husband's in the National Guard wrapping up his time now, but he was active duty. And so we did multiple deployments. It's kind of interesting because I was, I was a service member, but I was also playing that role of spouse. So I gave birth without my husband there. I went through a pregnancy without my husband there. I was a single mother, uh, for, about three years about three years of our uh time when we were both on active duty where i was a soldier i was going into work in uniform every day but i was also playing that role of spouse and so which is a totally unique role in and of itself the military wife the military mother the military children um and so dual military families with children is a whole another uh thing (laughs) a whole other type of type of family but so, so for me, I think we knew pretty early on that somebody was going to have to get out and that it probably was going to be me. Uh, my husband was started out when he was 18. He joined the infantry in you know, in the National Guard. And then he did ROTC and then he commissioned and then he did, you know, all that. And he's trying to get to retirement. And so um, it, it was always in our mind that, that I would be the one who would get out. And so, but I had a pretty lengthy contract because it's seven years after completion of training, because I went to the uniformed services Mm -hmm. university. And so, you know, there was a lot that happened with regard to like, you know, they did the blended retirement system and there was deployments that were happening and they were changing the APFT to the, ACFT. I don't Mm -hmm. remember. There was lots of transitionings that, that were happening in that time. And I was having children and my husband was gone and I was, you know, trying to do everything that I was supposed to do. So that's actually how I started looking into telehealth because in my mind, going from, and our minds too, he, he felt the same way going from an active duty, you know, 14 hour days with maybe nights and weekends and unknown deployments and trainings and 5 a.m. and 8 p.m.s and all the things that, you know, getting called up to do your analysis at five in the morning with, yeah. with a baby. I did that one time. I had to take my child to UA one time because who, who gets a babysitter that early? Um, yeah. Dad's in the army too. So what are you going to do? First aren't looked at me like I was crazy. What are you going to do? We'll leave at home? I don't think so. Um, anyways, so so we, we knew that it would be me, but in my mind, going and working a hospital job where I was gone for 12 to 14 hours a day really wasn't solving any problems. I was just trading one one problem set for another. And for a physician, family medicine, I was a family medicine. I am a family medicine doctor. I did clinic. I did hospital. Um, I did WTU, which is really administrative. It was more like a director, admin type of job. I wasn't qualified to get any admin jobs. So that's why I went back and got an MBA. But I really I really would not have been qualified to, to do a medical director or a chief medical officer position because trying to get that, you've heard of this struggle, I'm sure, trying to get that military experience to equate to civilian jobs and with me yep. being 10 to 15 years younger than people who do the jobs in the civilian world that I did in the military world, it's just a challenge. And so... Um, we found ourselves saying, "Okay, somebody's got to get out. It's got to be you." What type of job am I going to work? What am I really qualified to do? And how can I make it? How can I make it better? You know, can I can I be there for the kids working twelve-hour hospital days? I don't think so. And so that's how I ended up working in telemedicine because I was seeking an alternative that would allow me to be that military spouse still, um, to be that military spouse, to be that military mother to continue to serve in that capacity, but give me the flexibility to be able to support my husband in his military career in the way that I need to, we need to be able to do. And so that's how I got into virtual health.
1: And it's funny, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are female veterans and like, you know, like when you go, if you fly anywhere, they always ask, you know, would any veterans, you know, that like stand up and get on the plane. And when they stand up, people look at them, they're like, you know, and you're like, no, I am a veteran. I'm a female. I'm a veteran. I'm, I'm not just a spouse. I'm a veteran. Right. You know? So I'm sure you had to deal right. with some of that. You know, you're like, when people are like, but no, and they, you have to explain, no, I'm a veteran. You know, it's not just my husband. I'm a veteran. I raised my hand. So did you have to go through any stuff like that? You still go through stuff like that?
0: Yeah. All, all the time, all the time. I, you know, for example, um, we, we were stationed apart for a, a long time, several years. In addition to deployments, we were at two different duty stations. So doing things like renting apartments or applying for loans or going to buy a car, they're like, Oh, we need your husband's LES. And I'm like, well, don't you need my LES? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Cause
0: you know, I'm the one who is the soldier or, you know, we need your, you know, so they always ask for, you know, what's your husband's rank? Well, my husband, I actually outrank him. Whose rank do you need exactly? You know? And, um, but it's all in good fun. You know, it's all in good fun. And, and we kind of laugh and and chuckle about it. But, yeah, that kind of stuff comes up all the time. Or, um, you know, going to unit events and then I show up in uniform, which I tried not to. You know, I would try to wear civilian clothes if I ever went to, like, a change of command or something. But Because I don't want to – I want the light to shine on him in those instances. But, that, yeah, all the time people would assume that.
1: Well, at my that, house, uh, my wife always be. out. Me. so um, so if you guys if you guys want to have a happy marriage make sure it's happy, happy house happy- <laughs> so just putting that out there um, now I think the future um, especially in te- telehealth um, just in general is this little box that we're sitting in front of right now everything is being done through there but now I also have talked you know I've been I've been going to the VA for the last 12 years. There's also a generation, uh, you know, above me, which are in their 70s and their 60s, and they don't really want to, you know, get the phones and they don't really understand it. They're like, I just want to go see a doctor, you know. So what are your thoughts on that when you have to talk to when you talk to people that are not exactly, you know, technologically savvy?
0: Yeah, it is a challenge. It is it is absolutely a challenge. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers of telehealth right now is obviously Internet broadband access and then access to smartphones or computers because you have to have an Internet connection. But I feel like over the last couple of years with COVID, right, and people, especially of the older generations, are fearful of going in because they don't want to get sick because they recognize themselves as high risk. And there's hesitancy to go to the doctor's office, or they maybe are not hesitant to go in, but their medical needs require urgent attention. Like you mentioned diabetes earlier, insulin refills, right? These things can't wait, really, if you run out of insulin, that's a life-saving medication for most people, and if there's no availability from your doctor, or you can't get in, or you have to work or something happens that keeps you from getting to the doctor's office on time, telemedicine can be an alternative to, to get the things that you need. And so I feel like the, the pandemic has helped the older generation understand the utility of it because um, it's also cheaper. It's less expensive than going in person it is easier to schedule it's in the comfort of their own home it doesn't require things like transportation or taking time off and so i feel like the argument has been easier to make but technology is still a barrier i will tell you that i've had lots of patients in their 60s and 70s and i think by the time we get into the 80s it's generally the children their adult children are helping leverage the technology but I, but I feel like that's an advantage, right? Because then we don't have to rely on the patients to do it. The children or the grandchildren will help set it up for them. Um, but what I say to them is, look, we can't do everything, but we can do a lot. And if I can save you, if I can get you some hours of your time back, if I can help you get the refill that you need without the hassle of scheduling and the wait that's required, then I've done my job. Then I've Then I've been able to help you. And even if we can't get it all done, let's do what we can, and then we can help you figure out how to take care of the rest. But you know, and that's usually well received.
1: Well, uh, you know, and I, the VA's treated me amazing. I don't have any complaints. Um, but my, my, I'm seeing you know a, a mental uh, mental health expert for the last 12 years. So if anybody's out there that's think you don't need a therapist everybody needs a therapist. Just, just throwing that out there. It's okay not to be okay. But I think it's so much helpful that, you know, if I'm having a problem, I can just, you know, email my, my provider and she'll just, you know, call me or text me and say, all right, you got, you got a couple minutes. So I think that's one of the definite benefits of um, having telehealth. But now my mother was in is not it, isn't it? She's been a nurse for over 50 years. And, you know, we talked about this uh, and she says, but there's difference. A doctor can, when they touch somebody, the feel, they can smell, you know, there's certain things that you can't get off of of a screen. Do you agree? Disagree?
0: Absolutely. And there will always be a place, right? So I like to use the analogy of the bank. 20 years ago, we all used to go to the bank all the time, and we would do every transaction that we needed to do at the bank, right? And then we developed virtual banking. And so now you can do a lot of stuff from your app, from your computer, from your phone, but occasionally there are still a few things that you have to go in person for. And I think telehealth is the same way. There's, you you don't need me to do an examination on you to refill your insulin. Right. Especially if you're up to down on your blood work and you're not feeling anything and you're not having any symptoms. My argument is that it's actually a waste of resources and a waste of the patient's time for us to require lengthy in-person physical examinations for simple things that don't require complex medical decision making. Now, if people are having symptoms and there's physical examination that needs to be done in order to arrive at a diagnosis or in order to change a patient's regimen, maybe if they're not feeling like their symptoms are well controlled. Absolutely. And those are the people that really wouldn't be good candidates for telehealth. But our job, I think, as uh, leaders in, in telemedicine is to figure out who those good candidates are, who we can properly service. Mental health is a great one. You know, your, your therapist, your psychologist, yeah. your psychiatrist. I am almost certain they don't listen to your heart and lungs and look in your ears every time you go in to talk to them. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I think it's, it is certainly an evolving industry. It's evolving technology, it's evolving the way we think about healthcare and how we define relationships with our doctors. But if we have the right patient being treated in the right way for the right condition, everyone is so happy. They really are.
1: Okay, so now because, you know, before uh, what it's been about two years now since this whole COVID thing started, you've never heard about telehealth and you really didn't hear about tele um, mental health until uh, the Olympics, until uh, I forget the swimmer's name but he kept talking about how, you know, his therapist was on his phone and it, it kind of got people used to saying, okay, you know, maybe there's something to this. So talk to us about what life was like pre-COVID and what is life like now, you know, in, in what we're dealing with right now as far as telehealth.
0: Certainly. So what what's fascinating and what may surprise you, or maybe not, is that telehealth telemental health this has been around since way before covid I, I like to joke and say i was doing it before it was cool <laughs> but prior to covid i actually worked for one of the companies that i worked as a contractor for was a telemental health platform and depression and anxiety only but, you know some things are a little more high risk and some things need to be managed in in the brick and mortar but for uncomplicated depression and anxiety We can provide really good, high quality, you know, virtual care. But I feel like what's happened over the last couple of years is it's really solidified telemedicine as a valid industry. People are much less skeptical. I still sometimes will hear, is this a scam and you're trying to take my money? And I I try to reassure them. Absolutely not. The goal is to take care of you. We're here to take care of you. And it's certainly it's generally not free, but you know, we try to be inexpensive and we try to be responsive and compassionate and and take care of you, not scam you. But I think that um, the public perception of the legitimacy of telemedicine is one of the things that's really benefited. Additionally, a lot of doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs and licensed clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists, are seeing it as a viable career opportunity now. So the the supply and demand curves are shifting because there's more practitioners that are willing to do it and they're seeking it out and are open to adding that to their services. And now there's also more patients that are willing to accept the idea. It's almost like on that adoption curve, you know, we kind of got through all the early adopters and now we're kind of getting into the late adopters because it's, it's it we kind of passed the peak on adoption i think and so i feel i feel really encouraged by the way things are moving i do think technology has the ways to go right especially with the sicker population people that require devices and remote patient monitoring which is just a fancy word for things like checking blood pressure and checking blood sugar and EKGs and the objective data that you don't necessarily get through the virtual encounter. I think we're going to see that starting to emerge and evolve and develop over the next decade. And so there certainly is room for growth. But I think with regard to confidence, um, adaptation, and just overall quality of care, all of that has improved since the pandemic started.
1: So now, of course, we all know that insurance companies like to jag their feet and they want they got to. If it's it's a government entity, forget it. It takes forever. So what's it like trying to work with insurance companies, trying to get insurance companies to accept the telehealth? Has that been an issue?
0: It's absolutely been an issue. Uh, So uh, they don't know what they don't know. Okay, this is what I will say is they don't know what they don't know. Insurance companies are generally administrators they are not generally physicians, they're not practicing medicine, and they don't understand what it's like to be at the functional end of telemedicine. So the fact that we're able to see more patients, the fact that we're able to write more prescriptions when it's necessary, the fact, or, you know, when somebody qualifies for it, the fact that we're able to see and treat patients all over the nation, right? I have 50 medical licenses. I'm licensed in every state and there's more and more doctors that are like me that are starting to do that because they realize that it increases their reach and the people that they can take care of nationwide not just in their local community. And so I think it's it's confusing and some to the insurance companies, some insurance companies see it as red flags. I've been the subject of investigations before and I, and a lot of times if I just get on the phone with them and say, "Let me explain to you how telemedicine works let me explain to you how i can be treating patients in california and new york and missouri and texas and alaska all in one day and i can do it safely and i can do it high quality and i can do it you know where the people's needs are getting met and i've actually been able to make believers out of individual workers from insurance companies that have called me up and said what are you doing and how are you doing it Um, by the end of the call they're like wait a minute so you're saying..." that if I need my inhaler refilled, I can do that online. And I say, yeah, absolutely. You sure can. And so I think that COVID has helped insurance companies understand that this is happening. It's already here. It's already here. And by not providing reimbursement, they are contributing to the problem. They're being a part of the problem by not reimbursing for telehealth and I do think that a lot of insurance companies and the federal payers, I mean, Medicare and Medicaid and the VA, I mean, they're going to be the last to make any change. But I think that I don't think that it's a resistance to change as much as it is like just rewriting policies takes time and there's more hurdles that have to be gone through when the government's involved and there's just more people that have to approve it. There's more voices that have to weigh in and, you know, governmental change takes time. And I've seen promising things right When COVID started, the Department of Health and Human Services um, waived several things that allowed us to expand our telemedicine scope of practice. They are starting to do reimbursement for several types of examinations. And so a lot of telemedicine companies that started out as cash paid direct to consumer companies are starting to credential with payers they're trying to credential with federal payers. They're trying, we're trying. And so I wouldn't say that there's been total opposition, but I do think the fact that the insurance companies can't move as fast as the industry is moving does create a a lag. Um, But I do think it's getting better and I do 100% see progress.
1: You know, and for me, you know, as a business person, I can think, I'm thinking, okay, it can lower drug costs. It can lower hospital bills because you, you're not having to su- supply a physical, you know. So I, it, I see a lot of the, the positiveness in telehealth. Um, and I think when you two people talk, um, when you talk on the phone, it's very impersonal. But when you talk through, you know, like what we're doing now, you can see a person's movements. You can see their, you know, their eyes, their smile or whatever. It can bring you a little bit more at ease than if a person is just on a phone. So has that been your experience?
0: You know, it's kind of interesting because one thing that I have learned about working in the telemedicine industry is that Any preconceived notions that I've had about what somebody may want or like or need have just flown out the window. I mean, what I've learned is that there is a vast, there's a vast range of people out there who have a vast range of experiences that they prefer. For every person who wants to get on a video and see their doctor face to face, there's a hundred more who are like, I don't want to look at you. I don't need to talk to you. I need my refill i've been on this medicine for 30 years why do i need to meet a stranger to talk about it and so i would say yes yes there is a subset of people who love that video face-to-face interaction Um, but there is a whole nother subset of people that that like the transactional more transactional response that doesn't require them to emotionally connect with someone there's a there's certainly a move away from that as well but There's the nice thing about telemedicine is that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies out there that all have individually crafted experiences so that you as the consumer of the telemedicine have the ability to choose what you want that experience to look like. If you just need an insulin refill and you don't want to make a relationship with the doctor, there's a way to do that. Or if you want to find somebody to, as much as you can, replace your PCP so that you have a relationship with them, but it's virtually over the computer so that if another COVID breaks out, you know you're going to get taken care of. There's a way to do that too. And and you have the ability to choose and find the right place that will give you the experience you're looking for.
1: Okay. So now as a veteran, you know, talking one veteran to another, you know, sometimes we get old and crusty and we're, we don't want to change our ways. It's always, well, this is the way it's always been and it's the way it's always going to be. So I know we have a lot a younger generation, you know, I come from, I started in 86. So that's my generation in the military, but now you have, you know, the older generations. Um, so what has you been your experience with veterans and talking about telehealth? What is your, have, have they say it's easier for them or is it harder? Cause a lot of times, I mean, obviously you're a veteran, so, you know, veterans can talk to veterans, You know, there's something about raising that hand, you know, that we're all brothers and sisters. It's kind of like the thin blue line in in the police department. So, you know, what have you experienced veterans using the telehealth now?
0: So, yeah, I've had probably hundreds of veteran patients. One thing that I think is really interesting about having patients that are veterans is that they will often divulge. That they are a veteran it is a very common experience in an intake form or in a video or in a phone call or when someone's signing up to use a telemedicine platform for them to say i am a veteran and so i think that for me being a a physician who is a veteran my experience is probably different from another doctor who's not because as soon as um, a lot of times you know companies that i work with or places where I am, they'll have a bio up on me. And so I make sure that my bio always says that I was in the military and, and it'll say, you know, uniform Services University, Fort Benning, Fort Bragg. And so I feel like, I feel like that patients actually feel more comfortable talking to me i can't really say what their experience talking with other physicians is like because i don't get to see those interactions generally but i I feel like patients instantly feel a connection to me and when they find out i am a veteran and they are also veterans it changes the dynamic of the relationship in a way that it's almost like we're old friends and Mm. they will feel comfortable telling me anything and Mm. i I, and i do i feel a fondness if uh, i would say i feel a fondness for them and i do feel that sense of love if i can even say like i just have this this sense of love for them and i want to take care of them and it it instantly changes the d- dynamic in a way that doesn't happen the same way with um, civilian patients that it's kind of hard to describe uh really it's kind of hard to describe but I do find that to be a reality, and I think it gives them a sense of comfort. It instills, it automatically instills a sense of trust in them. They feel like they can trust me, which they can, and they feel like I'm going to take care of them, and it removes any skepticism or doubt or um, uncomfortability, or even if it's a military spouse. I think military spouses, when they're coming in, they're expressing concerns, they're describing their hardship, they almost feel like they're not going to be able to get taken care of for some Mm -hmm. reason. And so helping them to understand that I've been there and I get it and I, I share in those um, lifestyles with them. I, I just think it helps to make people feel more comfortable.
1: Now, you know, there's in any any field, like you said, you have your, you know, your Johnny come lately's, you know, people are just there for money grabs. You know, just like podcasts, you know, there's good podcasts, there's bad podcasts. Mm-hmm. So if a person's looking or especially veterans, because um, this show is mostly mostly veterans, first responders. Um, so what should they look for? You know, because obviously we can go online and you can Google anything. And the first five things are add, 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 add. So what should we look for if we are looking for telehealth medicine, you know, medicine, especially as veterans and first responders?
0: Yes. So um, one thing I can provide you with is a little bit of education, and this will, this will reassure you, I think. Um, the, the laws and the rules on advertisements for telemedicine companies are incredibly strict. And even valid, reputable, legitimate, Publicly traded nationwide telemedicine companies get their ads pulled all the time. If if it's not worded right or if it's not advertised right or if 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 something happens and Google picks up on it or Facebook picks up on it and they're gone and they got to rewrite the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. so even if it's an ad, if a company is popping up on a Google ad, like if it's, you know, the top five and it says ad, 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 they have had to jump through a lot of regulatory hoops to even be able to get there. So the fact that they're able to advertise on Google actually tells you that they've been substantially vetted from a lot of different sources and been proven to be legitimate. So it's actually a good sign if they can advertise. Um, Yeah, companies can spend six to nine months trying to figure out how to get their ads approved by Google. And so that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, I I think you want to look for um, like US board certified practitioners whether mps or pas or physicians take your pick right and you really want to if you scroll down to the bottom of the website you can see what types of security they have whether it's high trust which is a hipaa certification or um, i actually even look for that because i'm a consumer of healthcare, you know telehealth as well and so if i'm looking for a new provider if i'm looking for a new site I will look for, you know, I'll scroll down to the bottom of the page and see what type of security designators they have just to make sure that I know they've done their due diligence to make sure they're a secure website that is um, protecting my data and doing exactly what they need to do. You also want to make sure that the medical intake process is really robust. I mean, you, you should know when you sign up for a company exactly what the ne- next steps are. Whether you're going to get a phone call, whether you're going to get an email, whether you're going to get a two way chat. I mean, you, you need to sign up for a company that keeps you well informed on what the process is. If you find out that you're not getting good communication and you don't know exactly what's supposed to happen next, then you're probably not in the right place. And um, and, and I would say, on the other hand, give that feedback to the company. Right. Because a lot of telemedicine companies, they want to do the right thing. And they're trying to do the right thing but you have medical i mean it's just like working in a commander staff you have medical you have tech you have um you know finance with the payment processing you have customer support and they might have some stove piping and they might not know that the customer experience is poor on the front end so um, giving that feedback can actually help companies do better if if you don't have a good experience but Um, I recommend that you seek out that place that has that good experience, um, good customer patient experience, because it means they're trying to do the right thing by you. Reviews, testimonies, you know, look for those patient reviews, look for patients who have gone on and said, this was a great experience. I loved, you know, what happened. Um, A lot of times they should have social media accounts. I mean, it should all be very transparent. These companies should have public presence. They should have social media accounts. They should have places where you can see what their offerings are. It should all be very clear. You should never have to guess how much you're spending, right? That's one of my pet peeves is if a company doesn't make it clear what their price points are, especially if it's cash pay, I'm not going to use them. Um, those are just some tips. You know, I, I don't know if you have any questions about that, but. No, that makes a lot of I sense. And,
1: you know, like and for my show, I think if you ever look up on Google or I mean on um if you ever look at what we're doing, you know, we have over 450 written reviews for, and I always ask people that are on the show, please leave a review. So, you know, people know that we're, we're doing what we say we're doing. And I think a lot of people, no matter if, if you're in business or, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, if your company isn't well reviewed, like now I, I find myself and I always hated the, my, my cousin, every time we go out to eat, he's like, how many reviews does it have? You know, how many stars, but in the world that we're living in, if you don't have that presence, like you said, you're not, you know, if you don't have, if you're not everywhere, you're nowhere. Right. Correct? So last couple right. que- last two questions I have. Um, how do we find you? How can we support your mission? And where can the veterans go to get help from you and your counterparts?
0: Absolutely. So uh, lots of places. You can find me on LinkedIn. I would say that's a great place to find me. I like professional networking. Um, Me personally, I like the professional networking more than the social networking, Um, just because I feel like we are all professionals and we're looking, you know, as veterans, we are professionals. We're looking for where we're involved in the community. We're looking for you know, where we're able to contribute to society after service, right? And so I like LinkedIn. I think it's a great way to represent yourself um, and keep it classy, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm on LinkedIn, certainly. Um, I would say there's all kinds, there's all kinds of companies that that I either know people that work for or have consulted in or work for myself or founded. So that's a huge answer, the answer to the question of where do people get care, um huge answer to that question that's really hard to put into one small well, where can I get snippet.
1: your where can we yeah. get help
0: So I I mean if you want my help like if you want to be my patient tomorrow I have yep. a virtual primary care clinic which yep. is um on Push Health I can send you the link to it but yep. I I am licensed in all 50 states and um I'm happy to send you the link but I use an electronic medical record called push health and I have a virtual primary care clinic. It's free to sign up. Um, and I have veterans on there all the time that like to tell me, um, I have a funny story. I had a guy who was asking for disaster preparedness antibiotics recently and he, he, he didn't want to tell me that's what he wanted. And so he was trying to you know skirt around the thing. And finally he said, I'm a veteran and I want disaster preparedness. And I was like, Okay. Let's talk now. You know, now that we finally got that out of the way. Let's have a conversation. You know, what do you what do you want to talk about? And so I love it. So y'all can find me on Push Health. I can send you the link when we're finished yep. here um, yep. to show people how to sign up for my clinic. But I'm taking patients all the time. I have the luxury of being able to treat people in all 50 states. And uh, I'm happy to help anybody in any way that I can. Or if you're looking for networking, if you're looking for jobs, if you're looking for referrals, if you. Um, just need a mentor um, I love to do all that kind of stuff
1: and it's amazing to me how many people are sleeping on LinkedIn um, for me I'm transferring most of my stuff over from other social media I think we got like 26,000 followers on on uh, LinkedIn I just love it because people are there are they're there for a reason it's not political crap and you don't have all that kind of stuff so I love LinkedIn guys if you check us out on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm there most of the time. My last question is, um, you know, I live here in New Jersey and we're, I think we're just coming out of it again. They're, they're, you're releasing the, um, the mandates I think on Wednesday, but you know, a lot of people here, you know, they lost their jobs because of COVID and a lot of them are driving Uber, DoorDash, you know, just to put food on the kids table on the table. So, if you ask the average American to do something in seven days, they pretty much never get to it. But if somebody's watching our episode now and they're struggling, either with their health or their mental health, or maybe both, because they they pretty much go hand in hand. If somebody's struggling with their health or their mental health, what can they do in the next twenty four hours to start to get help? especially my veterans and my first responders? How can they start to get some clarity and get some help?
0: I would say in the next 24 hours, sign up for my virtual primary care clinic. Veterans, first responders, I'm on that thing, you know, all day, every day. I have clinic staff that help me get people taken care of. Patients are my and our number one priority. And y'all, we need to be taken care of. Within 24 hours, I wouldn't trust you anywhere else except for with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I need to send you somewhere else or refer you to another company or send you to a network or find you some resources that are outside of what I could provide you, um, then we'll do that. We'll do that. But if if you need help today, if you need help right now, um, I'll send you the link and you can post it to your, to your folks yep. on how to sign. It's also on my LinkedIn, actually. You can click on it and sign up. Um, Just put your information. in. It's completely free to sign up. Send me a message right away and say, Hey, here's what I have going on. Here's, here's what I need. Um, And if I'm, if I'm not sleeping, I'll, I'll be able to write you back pretty quickly.
1: (laughs) I love it. And guys, if you notice, I've been sitting here sipping. um, I'm sipping on my own coffee um, because it keeps me energized. It keeps me motivated. We are doing a giveaway. Uh, We're giving a free, a free bag of this. 20 cups of coffee and it's going to be given away for free. So if you guys are interested in coffee, that helps you kiss kick Monday's ass instead of Monday kicking your ass. Definitely check out vertical momentum coffee. If you have dealing with any mental health issues or dealing with any issues with hoarding, definitely check out Tammy Moses of the hoarding solution. Laura, I want to say thank you for coming on. Um, and I apologize earlier. just. So much stuff going on with technology. So I do want to apologize for being late, and I want to thank your um, the the young lady that was keeping in touch with me. And I, if you can, if you can uh, personally thank her for me, I want to say thank you.
0: I will absolutely shout out to Kitcaster. They're great. Yeah. They're so awesome.
1: Guys, remember, um, definitely check out. I'm going to drop the link. Definitely check out her on um, on LinkedIn. I'm following her on LinkedIn. She got a great profile. So go in her profile. If you you need any help, just click her link. Talk to her today. And, guys, I just want to say thank you for hanging out with me. I'm glad to be back. It's been one month away from you guys. is like years. So I just want to say thank you to VM Nation. And, guys, remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up. I love you guys, and I'll catch you on the flip. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share please feel free to leave us a comment.